I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, James, at the end of every offseason, we like to kind of take a step back, review everything that's been done. And it's not really the end of the offseason. It's just the end of our offseason before we go on break. And so we needed an extra special person to come on the podcast to help us break down the Leafs' variety of moves, whether they've gotten better, whether they've stayed the same, whether they've gotten worse. I'm going to leave it to you to introduce our great guest for today. It's DGB. It's Sean McIndoe, the the legend, uh, gracing our airwaves once again. Welcome to the show, DGB. Thanks, guys. Extra special. I like that. <laughs> I am. I am special. My you mom told tells me, me I I'm had to special. say that, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> Read it as written, and uh, we'll be good to go. All right. Well, there's a lot to get to. And if you haven't checked out some of Sean's stuff, um, DGB's stuff at The Athletic, make sure you do that. I particularly enjoyed the revisionist history with the number one overall picks. I think that's fascinating. Can you just t- tell James, uh, I'm sure James saw it, but tell our listeners that the number one, number one pick who shouldn't have been or shouldn't have been, who wasn't okay. the best player in the draft. Yeah. So the the point here was not to say that the, the number one pick that shouldn't have been the pick or, you know, was it was a bust. It was to identify number one overall picks who who weren't busts and who were really good players. Yeah. And yet still weren't the best player in their draft. It's the Hakeem Olajuwon thing where he was like one of the yeah. greatest NBA players of all time. But Michael Jordan gets picked two picks later. And yeah, number one on my list uh, was Matt Sundin, 1989. Because Sundin was a phenomenal player, but a, a kid by the name of Nick Lidstrom got taken a little afterwards. and A little think, afterwards? It, I was shocked at how third I round. didn't realize yeah. it was that late. That yeah. was back when there was still, you know, getting guys over from Europe was was questionable and getting over to see them was was questionable. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to put Lidstrom slightly ahead of Sundin on the all-time list. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was the year that the Detroit Red Wings basically won three or four Stanley Cups in one draft because they also got Fedorov. Uh, I think I can't remember who else said that. I mean, they they absolutely crushed it, that whole draft. Well, it basically, Detroit built a dynasty in part on finding yep. guys like Zetterberg and Datsuk and Lidstrom deep in the draft and, and scouting Europe better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, the other one, and of that- course, famously, also the year that the Leafs had three first round picks and mm. took them all from the same team. <laughs> that didn't as, work out, right? As one does, didn't work did. out phenomenal. Yeah, they went all Belleville Bulls, and they got like nobody who you would consider a star. Although I was a big Rob Pearson fan back in the day, I'm not gonna lie. I enjoyed the <laughs> Rob Pearson. The Rob Pearson vibe was very, very strong back then. Do you remember though? So one of the other ones is is Victor Hedman, John Tavares. Was that I, I'm tr- I was trying to remember. Was that actually like a conversation at all at the time? I just remember Tavares like being yeah. a slam dunk number one pick forever. No, there there was, was he uh, not. There was some some talk of of Hedman. There was some talk of Matthew Shane. That oh wow, year. that was the other piece. And of course, in in Toronto, with with, with that draft is memorable for is was Brian Burke oh, in his yeah. first year as GM. Basically calling a shot, saying, I'm going to get the number one pick. Basically saying, I'm, I'm going to do what I did 10 years ago with the Sedins. I'm doing it again. And the Islanders are like, screw you. No, you're well, not. And no. he said, remember, like DGB, he said, I'm going to take John Tavares, basically. Yeah. Yeah. He he had done, I mean, there, if you want to really get back, the Leafs had done, even under Ferguson, they had done that weird thing where Tavares played for the Marlies for a little bit, even though he hadn't been drafted or, you know, there was that whole thing. They really went all in, and there it was rumored at the time that Burke had an offer on the table from the Lightning that of that they would give up the second pick in a deal for Luke Shen, oh, wow. who had just been drafted the year before, and that Burke was interested if he could flip the pick to the Islanders. But once it became clear that he couldn't do that, wow. he he wasn't able to because Burke's guy was Tavares, and if they couldn't be Tavares, he wanted Brayton Shen. Uh, who oh, went fifth wow. that year. Yeah, the Shen brothers connect them. And that was the whole thing where, I mean, you can remember, you know, that draft comes, so Tavares goes first, uh, Hedman goes second, Duchesne goes third, and then uh, I don't remember who goes fourth. I got it fifth. in front of me. Okay. Evander Kane goes fourth. Evander Kane to Atlanta, right? Yeah, LA and takes then, Shen. And then everybody's waiting for for Burke to pull the trigger, and I guess he had been throwing crazy offers at LA, and they they weren't taking it. And, and in fact, if you go back and watch when Braden Shen gets picked, they zoom in on Brian Burke just scowling at the table. <laughs> and then, so two picks later, the Leafs are finally up. And that's, I mean, you talk about a memorable draft. That's when we get the famous uh, interaction with Brian Murray, where yep. he comes over to try to trade up and Burke just shoots him down and says, if, if Kadri's the kid you want, that's the kid we're taking. And Murray just goes, yeah, that is who we want. And, and just leaves. And it was, you know, we all thought it was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, that was a very memorable draft because there was, you never know what's a smokescreen and what's not. But uh, as I remember it, there was a lot of talk of Duchesne and uh, I don't remember as much talk about Hedman going first, but definitely a lot of talk about moving. And there was some doubt when the Islanders got up there, um, not quite to the degree we saw this year, but there was you know a little bit of who knows well, they, they might surprise us. The talk around Tavares even back then, because I remember writing about that draft and writing about Tavares was just that he wasn't a great skater. He wasn't very fast. And I remember his mm-hmm. first year in the NHL, it was he was good, but it was kind of like, is he gonna be able to, you know, be a, a superstar given his his basically lack of speed was what was talked about a lot at that time yep. or around him. Well, do you guys think now that we're looking back and obviously, Sean, you've spent time thinking about this. Do you think his career has met expectations? Like, I, I kind of think it's just met expectations. Like, I don't think it's exceeded expectations. I think it's met expectations. What about you? Yeah, I, th- I think that would be fair. I mean, I, when you are drafting first overall, and it's not, you know, it, 
maybe with a few exceptions where it's a very weak class and everybody knows it going in. You're drafting first overall. You're thinking you're getting a Hall of Famer. Yeah. That's that's almost where the bar is. And I would argue Tavares is kind of right on the borderline of that. He's 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 never won an MVP, but he's been a finalist a couple of times. He's put up big numbers, but not, you know, nothing crazy has has been kind of a few times in the periphery of like is he the best non-Sydney Crosby guy, but certainly was never a best player in the world conversation guy. Uh I you know, I think when you look at historically what you should expect from a first overall pick and then you measure it to him, he's probably been about right or even exceeded it. But as far as, you know, as a fan, you think you're getting the franchise. Like this is a guy, we're going to retire his number in 20 years. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He's going to be our guy. And, uh, I, you know, even even before he left under the circumstances that he did, I feel like Tavares hadn't maybe quite been that with the Islanders, although given what was around him, he was very, very good. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be retiring his jersey there. With uh, <laughs> no, I love that they retired ninety one like months afterwards. They uh, it was it <laughs> is it is it Butch Goring that yeah. uh, had like somebody else had worn it and they they got it right up there. That was a very that was a very strong move. <laughs> that was so brutal. I was there that night. It was just awful. Like I can't believe it was that venomous. Yep, and and I remain to this day. I feel like I'm the only Leafs fan who like defends. Islander fans on that. And I had that conversation this morning on on the other show where we were talking about Johnny Gaudreau and what what does he owe Flames fans? And this was right before he had put out his, his little Players Tribune thing. And, you know, did does he owe them answers? And everybody's like, no, he doesn't owe them anything. And I was like, yes, he does. He does. You're you you make a relationship with these fans. If you're gonna break it off, you you do owe them something. And I think, you know, Tavares in his case, he he gave the Islanders fans an explanation. They didn't like it, but he he gave them the explanation, which was he wanted to play for his hometown team. I think the difference, too, is that Tavares was really thinking deeply about going back to the Islanders right up until the last minute. And I, it, doesn't, it doesn't really feel like the case yeah. with Gaudreau, right? Like, well, it feels well like- Gaudreau says he was. In fact, he even says that in this morning. He says, I even the day of, even when I couldn't do the eight years anymore, I was still thinking about going back. I, I think the other difference, the reason that it – it got so ugly with Islanders fans. And and I'm not saying this is how it played out. I'm telling you how Islander fans remember it playing out. Is that the Flames with Johnny Gaudreau this year were a very good team. They were a Stanley Cup contender all year long. So there was never any talk about moving Johnny Gaudreau during the season. Um, whereas with the, that year's Islanders, they weren't a very good team. They kind of got into the range of a very like sort of close to the playoff bubble at one point right around the deadline and then fell back. But there, that was a team that could have made the decision to trade Tavares at the deadline. Yeah. And the perception in New York perception among Islanders fans is that Tavares and his camp told the Islanders, don't worry about it. We're good. Yeah. We're going to work it out. You don't need to trade me. And then that he pulled the rug out from under them. And, 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 and that part of the reason why the whole, uh, you know, the whole hometown dream thing bothered them so much was because they felt like it was the case that he had, he had made his mind up all along, mm-hmm. in which case, why not just tell us that and we could have done something, we could have moved you, we could have, There's uh, no, we, you know. Yeah, there's no chance he had made up his mind. There's no, Like, people close to him were saying, like, people were saying yeah. Islanders, 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 and it really wasn't until right towards the end that he was having second thoughts. Maybe yeah. he should have had his agent, ironically, hit the same agent, just do it. 
uh, happened with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and just said, like, my client really wants to play in Toronto. <laughs> well, and, uh, I mean, they, that's what they did afterwards. And, you know, the funny thing is, you, you can talk about the hometown dream. There was no hometown discount on that deal. And maybe that's no, a, I mean, you know, yeah. that, they clearly didn't, they didn't pull that out until, uh, until afterwards. And then the infamous, uh, the, the infamous photo which comes out, which is the only thing that I, uh, that I attack Islander fans on to this day is that you guys, you got to stop calling John Tavares pajama boy. You got to stop with the pajama stuff because there were no pajamas in that photo. It was bed oh, sheets. Yeah, the bed it sheets. was the bed sheets. You call him bed sheet boy if you want to yeah. call him something. Don't be burning pajamas. There was no pajamas in there. We don't know what pajamas he was wearing. We know he was. He had a Star Wars figure and he had maple leaf bed sheets. That's Maybe all. Maybe it was know. Islanders don't, pajamas. Don't bring pajamas into like it. you don't. You don't know. Could have been. Yeah, it could have been. been. Who knows? Oh man, I feel like we could just do the whole show about this. <laughs> I Let's keep do. Going can down can this we just do the whole show about previous Leafs off seasons and not get into this year's? Which, yeah, like I would be fine with that. What's your favorite Leaf off season? Well, oh my gosh, Sean, you, maybe we can draw some parallels. Maybe you can compare this off season to previous off seasons you've seen in the past. It feels like, although lately, it feels like off seasons are kind of their own individual snowflake every year. James, you know it's a, an amazing one, like an all timer is twenty thirteen. That is just unbelievable. That the was the bio Kurbowski and then signed Clarkson. It's the birth crazy. of the Bizarro meter column that yeah. I broke out just for the Leafs on Grantland, by the way, an American site that had and Grantland. I was like, I'm writing an entire like four thousand words about the Leafs offseason and how dumb it was. Uh yeah, the David Clarkson year, the Dave Boland Kurbowski. oh you, Bobsky buyout, Tyler Bozak, which we all thought was absolutely terrible and turned out to actually be a decent signing, but, uh, oh, yeah. oh, what a mess. And then the best part of that entire offseason was Dave Nonis getting the five-year extension um, for because he made the playoffs once and then watched his team collapse. And it was like right after he had signed Clarkson, right? I think it was like within week. They, they signed Clarkson. It was like weeks later that- The infamous, we're not concerned about year six and seven quote. Oh, my God. Uh, which, which you know, in, in hindsight, he was right. Uh, he <laughs> well, shouldn't he have been a, concerned he about those years. For it. <laughs> yeah, it was, those years were not his concern. But, oh, wow. oh my goodness. Just that, that was the all-time worst Leafs offseason I've ever seen. Um, boy, I don't even know what the good ones were. I'm just looking at that team, the 13-14 team. It's, it's not great. Well... I would say the last like couple of off seasons have been pretty decent. Like two years ago, they get TJ Brody, you know, they, they kind of do some things around the edges that are really smart and the team takes another, like, remember how bad the season was that ended the, the, the last year with Babcock and, and losing to Columbus in the bubble and all that. And then they, they pivoted and they made the defense a lot better. And then the team on the ice took a, another step, you know, they got, got rid of Barry, got rid of CC kind of like. You know, they took a, a good step. And I would even say like last off season, I mean, there were some things they obviously got wrong, but there were some things they did really well, like Bunting and David Kampf and, you know, some of the bargain buys that they brought in. Obviously, the big mistake with Morazic, but. Um, yeah, you know what they don't do, James, now that you're saying that? They they don't do, and now you you might classify some of the, one of the moves in this category, but they don't do anything really like stupid and outrageous where they sign a guy for six years who's going to be overpaid right away like the matt murray thing is is a big risk obviously but he's only signed like two years and like do i think like it's too much to pay someone coming off those years and those injuries yeah but like it's not like 
I don't know. Remember that summer DGB, like where it was like Lucic and Andrew yeah. Ladd and all these that insane contracts. 2016, like, just terrible. Right? They yeah, don't do that stuff. They they don't. I mean, I, I, f- I really feel like since 2018, which is the year they signed Tavares and, and everybody freaks out and everyone thinks it's a great move and we'll be debating it, I'm sure, for years to come. Um, but at the time, that was a big win. And then they, Marner and Matthews get their extensions. And it feels like since then, and certainly since the, the pandemic hits and the cap goes flat, every offseason has been, how do we keep that core together while managing around the edges? And, you know, they're, they're, we lose a guy, we lose a Zach Hyman here, um, or, you know, we trade a Nazem Kadri there, but we can bring in enough reinforcements between the, the allure of local guys wanting to play veterans wanting to play here um you know the the handful of just smart moves that they've been able to make but it's all just kind of dressing around that core and and that's part of what was interesting about this year was that for the first time in this string of playoff disappointments it it felt like Kyle Dubas kind of left the door open yeah that you know what we might do something bigger than just tinker around the edges and then he didn't but at the very least he, he he didn't slam the door on it because that's something that that still really bothered me after the Montreal series was how quickly they seemed to just slam the door on doing anything big. Not saying they needed to, but at the very like it was almost like the 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 desire to maintain a comfort level and to say like let's not and, and I get it to some extent in this market if you give us a, a morsel we will turn it into a whole big thing and now you're dealing with Austin Matthews trade rumors all year, but. I don't know the 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 fact that they were almost seemed adamant that we're not doing anything, and this year they kind of opened it up a little bit that hey, there, there might be bigger changes, but uh, instead it's it's just been more tinkering. So I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm right with you. I, I didn't agree with the way that they handled that. I thought it was, I just didn't think it made any sense to come out after that series and be like, we're not. These guys are all staying. Like you at least like have to explore everything after something like that and just see like maybe you can make a trade like with one of those yep. guys that makes you better are you surprised then because you're right like Kyle Dubas I didn't think that was enough of a big deal like I wrote it after I thought it was very interesting how he framed that stuff about the core he he really didn't he was not definitive at all are you surprised then that they haven't done anything with that core group like they're basically running back mostly the same team with like some tweaks obviously the goaltending is going to be entirely different but are you surprised Mm. that they didn't end up doing anything with those bigger pieces i i wouldn't say i'm surprised um and i'm not saying it's wrong uh you know that this is you know it's it's easy for me to sit here and say make a big move okay well what do you want to do you want to trade austin matthews the mvp of the league no you're not you're not going to do that yet uh, you want to trade John Tavares? Maybe you do. That's that's not something you're going to be able to, to pull off unless he's on board, which uh, seems unlikely. You know, Mitch Marner. You're you're not going to get you're not going to get fair value for Mitch Marner with that contract that he has. And this is a guy who's been a back to back first team All Star. So we're back to William Nylander again, a guy who you know maybe out of that three is is you know he's certainly the lowest paid of the group. Um, does seem to represent good value. Could you get something for him? Yeah, I mean that—that's probably the most likely scenario where you get a hockey trade. But um, maybe are you not. better? Yeah, and you are know? you better? And, and and are you better, or are you you know the old you know the old cliche? We're not going to make a trade for the sake of making a trade. Well, sometimes you maybe need to do that, especially if you've got a group. And I have no feel 
you know, for what's happening inside the Maple Leafs? What is the level of complacency among that core? If any, do they, are they under any illusions that the last few years have been good enough, have been a success on any level? Um, or do they understand just like we all do that, that it hasn't been enough? Um, I don't know. I, you know, that was part of me. I, I, I'll be honest. This, and this is the fan in me talking. This isn't the, the analyst. This isn't the media guy. This is the fan. After Montreal, I was pissed off and I wanted, I wanted them to say we might move some of these guys just because I wanted them to be uncomfortable. I wanted Mitch, you know, Mitch Marner wants to be Mr. Maple Leaf. I wanted him to wake up and, and have to deal with a couple of weeks of, of trade rumors and thinking that, you know, geez, I might get shipped off to, uh, you know, to Arizona or wherever. Maybe I should think about, you know, how much I want to be here. Um, you know, that it's, that's the fan in me coming out. And that's where maybe you need a steady hand at the wheel in the front office to go, no, we're not, we know the fans feel that way. We're not going to make a trade that we're going to lose just to make everybody feel good for a couple of days. And then we realize, whoops, we made the team worse. Um, you know, it, it, it may have been, it may have been smart. And, you know, we should also say we don't know how close they may or may not have ever come to making a move like that. Um, yeah. you know, maybe okay. Kyle Dubas said, we're not, we're going to slam the door. And maybe somebody called him the next day and said, what about this for Mitch Marner? Maybe they got far down a road. But that's and, why you and don't it say it, right? That's why you, that's don't, why say, you don't say it. Yeah. I, I get it. I mean, if, if, if he even leaves the door open, we're talking Mitch Marner trade rumors all summer. It would have been Mitch Marner last, last year. I mean, where everybody yeah. was at after the play, it would have been exhausting. And, you know, and then, you know what? We all, we all do that. And then in two years when Mitch Marner's deal is up and he says, you know what? I hate it here. I want out. And we all go, gosh, what, whatever happened? Yeah. Well, what happened is that people like me turned this into a thing that it didn't need to be. So, you know, like this is, I, I, this, this is what I've had trouble with this off season, especially with the Matt Murray thing is that as a fan, I've had a lot of trust in Kyle Dubas, even when he's done things I didn't agree with, even when he's said things I didn't like, I've always kind of felt like, all right, this, we've got one of the smart ones because we certainly lived through the, the Nonus era where the <laughs> Leafs were proudly the dumbest team in the league like adamantly the dumb and they were happy about it. They were proud to, to tell you how dumb they were. Now we got one of the smart front offices and, you know, and they're patient and they're, they're not doing dumb things just for the market. And then the Matt Murray thing comes along and you go, boy, are, are they, or are, are they, are they playing 4d chess here at a level? I can't even comprehend because it sure seems like they just went and spent a lot of money on a not very good goal. Oh, that's probably a good segue to start talking about the goaltending. Don't you think, Jonas? I mean, that's that. Yeah, we were talking in the other day, Jonas and I just just off air and not for a story or anything, just like about what the big storylines are going to be in the upcoming season. And it feels like goaltending is going to be a focus, certainly for training camp early in the season. You know, who's starting? Who's playing well? Does Samsonov? Does he? Does he challenge Murray for starts? Does you know, and I've already seen a lot of people have been in the market have been writing that this is Kyle Dubas betting his job on on Matt Murray and all that. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think my theory is that in part that the Leafs are looking at this and being like goaltending is is so fickle and it's so hard to know. It's the old saying that we always have that goaltending is voodoo. So we don't want to commit a five year deal to anybody. Kemper, Jack Campbell. 
we want to go short term. We don't want to put a ton of dollars in into goaltending. We're going to go with a, a a a goalie that we know their character and we know kind of the the background of who they are. Um, but we're not making any kind of a commitment to goaltending because we tried that with Mrazek and it just didn't work. Is that? I, I think that that's part of the mindset for what. But what James, they did, they did this year. S- they did spend more on goaltending. That's it, and and that's because I've heard that from a lot of fans. Where you know I I was my initial reaction to this move before it even happened when it was just rumored was this is going to be a huge mistake, and I one of the things that I heard from fans defending the move although you're not really defending it but saying hey nobody knows with goaltending so who knows could Matt Matt Murray could be better than Jack Campbell he could be better than Darcy Kemper yep. who knows it's it's goaltending big shrug emoji and my response to that is well if 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 nobody knows what goaltending is, then you don't spend four point seven million on a starter. Yeah. You the go go get two, uh, you know, two guys. Get, go get go get Samsonov and another guy like that. Lankinen, and, and and then use the extra two or three million on a position that you you do know more about, or stick it in the bank so that you can get a big time player at the deadline or or whatever it is, um, rather than paying you know because they're paying starter money to. So yep. he better be a starter. And if he's not, then yeah, I mean, I, I do think there is there is risk here. And and this is if it goes south, and I don't mean, you know, Matt Murray plays pretty good and uh, they lose in the first round again, but you know, it's not Matt Murray's fault. But I'm talking like if if Matt Murray is either can't stay healthy or plays like he did in Ottawa, I, I do think this becomes the deal that people you know, when the knives come out for Kyle Dubas, this will be the deal that everyone can point to and say, you've you screwed up the goaltending. And you did two years in a row. Because that's the other piece I hear is a fan saying, maybe the Leafs know something we don't. And I, I I wouldn't believe that because I have a lot of faith in the front office, but this is the same front office that thought Peter Mrazek was the answer. So I, I don't, I'm not willing to believe that they have some magic insight in goaltending that... Uh, uh, that that nobody else. Well, does. so it's a bit of a mix. I mean, they, Jack Campbell was a good bet on the for the front office, right? Like they didn't really give up, give up a whole lot for him. So I mean, they've made some good bets on goalies, and they've made some bad. But bets their most on recent one, yeah, their most recent one, you know, in the in one off season ago, turned out to be in theory a disaster. Now, I, you know, there's also people who go, you know, Razik had he got to play 20 games, he was hurt. Um, there yeah. is there. I know, I know, there are people who are saying they'd rather. You know, bring back Peter Mrazek rather than Matt, bet on Matt Murray. It's it's the same sort of gamble, uh, and he's a million bucks cheaper, and you keep your first round pick this year. I see that too. I, I will tell you. Look, I know there's there's a ton of things. I'm not trying to hand wave away the fact that I'm sure the Leafs analytically and, and scouting wise and everything did a lot of homework on this. Um, I will tell you this. I do not. I do not remotely give a crap. Who knows Matt Murray from ten years ago, or from when he was a little kid? You know, you have, oh, yeah. I I worked with him at goalie camp when he was ten. I don't care. I don't care. We have hundreds of games of Matt Murray as an NHL goaltender that I care about, including the last two years that have not been very good. I, I don't want to hear about you know his character because you knew him when he was a little kid or when he was at the teenager or any of that stuff. Enough of that crap. Like enough of this hockey man. We knew him back when sort of deal. Um, he's an NHL goalie, um, and, and that's what he should be judged on. And I would love to know, I, and, and we never will know, uh, anytime soon, but I would love to know where on the list of plans 
was this. Was this plan A going into the offseason? Is it plan B, C, D? Like how far down the list do we go? Because that's the other piece of this that I don't that I've heard from fans where the when the trade got made, it was a Monday, I think. And I had people saying, like, all right, you don't like Matt Murray. Who do you want that's out there right now? Right now, as of now, who who is it that you think is better? And my response to that is, I don't have to tell you who's out there right now because Kyle Dubas didn't become the GM of this team on Monday morning. He didn't roll in to a lay, you know, and and see that all the other goalies had already found spots. He had all the offseason to prepare for this and to figure out yep. what the what what he was going to do, who's plan A, who's plan B, how far down the list did they end up going? Um, you know, it's it's not up to us to say, well, once you get down to Matt Murray at 25% retained or Jack Campbell at five years. And those are your only two choices. So who do you want? There were a lot more choices than that. And one by one, they all went off the board. Uh, and again, we don't know what the asking prices may have been. We don't know what the conversations may have been. This may have been the best possible outcome uh, for the Maple Leafs. But um, it was it's Kyle Dubas's job to have lots of different possibilities and this is the one that he that he wound his way down to and that that is now his responsibility for it to succeed so if we were gonna try to guess what number plan or what letter plan this was like i just wrote down as you were talking i was like hmm, thinking back to some of the guys that i think would have made sense so varlamov probably would have been plan a for me maybe you make that call and lose like yeah thanks goodbye maybe that so that cross off plan a for me then I get to Mark Andre Fleury, and like a few days before free agency, he's like, "Yeah, I'm going back to Minnesota." Yeah. Cross that. That's off. the one you can't you can't pin that on Dubas if if he decides to stay before he hits the market. Yeah, so I don't know. I I'm with you. Like I don't know what's next, but that that's the job. Like the, so, you you can't just kind of throw up your hands and say, "Well, we'll just get Matt Murray then, and we'll yep. we'll only get twenty five there." Uh, you could have signed, uh, like you mentioned, like they could have gone with Lankinen and Samsonov, Samsonov. Now, would we be looking at that and being like, oh, my God, that's who they're betting their season on? Yeah, maybe yep. like they could have traded for James Reimer. That There's lots of things that they could James have done. James Reimer's out there. Billy Huso is Billy, you know, available. And we know that those risk. guys, we don't, definitely a risk. And, and But we know the price tag wasn't crazy yes. on those guys. Yes. Um, and that's what so, I liked about Reimer. Like he was one year, two, two, five. Like, do I think... Matt Murray is going to be better than him? Maybe, but like I have no idea. There's no commitment. So let me ask you this, because I thought you brought up a really important point. We have no idea if if, if their connection to Matt Murray is going to matter. Like I, I remember writing that right after it happened. Like It may mean something. It may mean absolutely nothing. The other part is pedigree. How much do you think that what he did all those years ago in Pittsburgh matters? Like, Does it make any difference to you? Do you think it's completely irrelevant at this point, given recent history? Nor- normally, I would say irrelevant because I'm not someone who buys into the idea that there's regular season players and then playoff players. I, I-, I, don't-, I don't buy that idea. I- I- we get a bigger sample in the regular season and bigger samples are more valuable to, to tell you what somebody is. And, and I think most of it, you know, if we see a difference in performance between regular season and playoffs, it, it's almost always going to be noise. Um, so I, I don't put a lot of stock in in the fact that this guy's got two cup rings from five years ago. Except that when you look at the history of this Leafs team and you look at how potentially I, fragile maybe isn't the right word, but but they're certainly aware of it. I don't. 
I think maybe there is something to be said for having a guy when you're going into yet another game seven in the first round to look over there and see a guy who's, you know, undefeated in game sevens, has two Stanley Cup rings, who can kind of look over at you and go, guys, I got this. I got this. And and maybe do, do they trust him a little more than they would have trusted a Freddie Anderson or even a Jack Campbell? You know what? Maybe there's some benefit to that. But it, it's it's a small one. Again, we're talking five years ago. I, I'm And uh, five years is a long time. Five years is a lot of games. And the the indicators are all pointing in the wrong direction on this player. And and look, Ottawa was a mess. That was a terrible situation for a goalie to go to. So, I mean, you talk about a change of scenery. The, yes, I mean, not playing behind that blue line probably uh, is, is going to be a, a very big plus. And that relationship soured. And look, you know, now he's going someplace where he's presumably wanted, where he does have some relationships. This could work. This could absolutely work out. And like a year from now, I'm on here and we're talking about, you know, how great Matt Murray was and you guys are playing these old clips and we're all laughing at how dumb we all were. Um, it, that could happen. It is goaltending. And you know what? It's, this is, I still, you know, I'm happy to concede that Kyle Dubas is much smarter than I am and, uh, you know, has probably thought this through a lot more than I have. I just feel like this is the first time in the, in the Dubas era where I'm looking at a move saying, if this doesn't work, uh, I'm I'm not sure that that you just hand wave it away like we have some of the other the other ones. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, and then we'll take a break. But I was thinking like immediately after this happened, I was thinking of the things that they've done that I like the least right away. This there was this Mrazek and Richie were the three things like right away. I was like, I don't like that. The Cadre trade was one too that was yeah, but I th- I didn't mind that at the time. Like I got I yeah. I saw what they were trying to do. Um, so I can't say that I thought that the, the that was Kadri terrible trade the was, was bad, certainly in hindsight and even at the time, but I, I, like, I can't lie. I was one of the people who was like, you've got to move on from this guy after the yeah. way the last couple of playoffs. And ended. they needed so a I, defenseman, like, and they didn't have like a lot of means to get one. I soured on that trade when I talked to some other teams. They were like, Barry is the wrong player for that team. Like he's not, yeah. he's not what yeah. they need. And after but, but I talked even to in that one. After they had they had the Brody trade right and yeah and then Kadri didn't wave so even there like their their dumb move was Plan B at least. All right, let's take a break and let's keep going on this goaltending conversation. Then we'll get into the forwards and then we got to get to some questions in the pod bag. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's keep this 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 train rolling because I think we're 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 doing good. Great job, guys. Um, the other part about the Matt Murray trade, of course, that I remember reading your tweets, you did not love. I don't think anyone loved. And I remember like thinking, and James and I talked about it at the time, like even if they retain half, like I don't know about this trade. And then you get the press release and it's like they're retaining only 25%. Yep. That's still mind-boggling to me. I still don't get it. Um, 
I don't even have a question. Like I'm and, just and still surprised. Well, this is the cap error, right? Like a player's value is inextricably linked to their cap hit. Yes, has to be, and, and that's why, like, even things- James brings up Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell is making one six five. Like there wasn't risk that way. Sorry, continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and and like you know, for all the things we just said, Matt Murray, we just dumped all over him. Matt Murray at fifty percent retained. Maybe is worth that value. Matt Murray at you go to the Senators and say, go find a team and we're going to do a double 50% retention and and then let us know. And you're getting them at 25%. Now you're, yeah, absolutely. Sure, I'll roll the dice on that. It, it's, it really comes down, like, it, you know, I, when it, it was, when we were all in Montreal, you, you heard, you know, Matt Murray maybe to the Leafs and I just kind of dismissed it. I'm like, there's no way because we're the smart team. The Leafs aren't going to get suckered in on this. And then you heard, hey, Matt Murray to the Sabres. And you went, okay, yeah, that sounds about right. And then didn't happen because he doesn't wave. All right. And then it was, you know, a little bit over the weekend. But then on Monday, when you started to see the insider saying, this is picking up steam. And I thought, I I, I honestly felt, and I tweeted this, I, I had not felt about a deal. Like I, I I had not felt about a pending Leafs transaction the way I felt there since the Nonis years. Like, right when it was known as, and you heard the Leafs were in on somebody and you just thought, oh no, because we were the dumb team back then. But now we're the smart team. So we're supposed to not, you know, not have to worry about it. And you figure, okay, they'll, they'll work. But I was just like, I don't see how this works. But, and then, you know, I had people say, no, 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 they'll, it'll be a double retention. They'll do this. They'll do that. Maybe they'll get the Senators first round pick. And it was, uh, you know, we were waiting and waiting for the deal. And I remember I was sitting there and I got a text from Ian Mendez. And he said, I think I know what the trade is. What would you think? And he then outlined, and he had it exactly right. He had the, it was the exact, but he said, it's 25% and the senators are kicking in a third round pick in a seventh. And, and my text back to him, I said, that's, I said, that's, there's no way that's it. That's terrible. And I said, if that's the trade, that's going to be the trade that gets Kyle Dubas fired. And an hour later, that was the deal that was out there. And it was just, you know, and, and hey, it takes two teams to make a trade and full credit to Pierre Dorian and the, the Senators for, I I think, bluffing Kyle Dubas that they were going to walk away if it wasn't 25%. Uh, and, and basically, it sounds like they told the Leafs, take it or leave it and hung up the phone. And the Leafs are the ones to call back and say, we'll take it. Great job by Ottawa on that. You know, really great job. But, uh, boy, at, at 25% retained, it, it really is, this becomes a very high risk move that it wouldn't be with the same player at a lower number. So the, one of the things Kyle Dubas said is it was too cost prohibitive for them to get, you know, another team involved or get more retention. The way that Murray's contract is structured is so heavily backloaded that there's 15 million in, in cash that's still involved. So any kind of retention with another team the the gymnastics on it are even more complicated because whatever if there's a if there's a third team they're going to have to eat a pretty big dollar figure to be part of that so you know you're looking at having to give up you know m- remember when they they did the retention deal with say Felino but Felino they give up a fourth round pick but San Jose is only asked to retain only only a fifth of his salaries left because you're at the trade deadline. Yep. And they're only asked to retain 25% of a fifth of, like, it's almost nothing for a fourth round pick. 
But James, Whereas, I, what, what I don't understand about that is why are the Leafs the team that uh, has to pay the price? Why isn't it Ottawa that needs to get rid of this contract? That's the part that I can't square. Like you can answer, maybe I'm wrong. Well, it, if Ottawa's not also doesn't isn't willing to eat that price, then like someone has to do it. Like some part of that trade. Has but I to, guess I mean, are, shouldn't they be the team in the position like the Leafs were yes. with Zaitsev with Marlow? Like, aren't they the team with the bad contract that has to pay something to get out of it? Like, because a third and a seventh is essentially nothing. Nothing. It's nothing. It's window dressing. Um, and it, look, it, I'm sure that the Senators were telling the Leafs, and maybe it was even true. Hey, we'll flip into Arizona if we have to. We'll, we'll go back to Buffalo. Maybe they go back to. Maybe they go to Matt Murray and say we tried with the Leafs. It didn't work out. You're not going to the Leafs. Will you revisit Buffalo again? You know, now that we've the draft has passed, but you, maybe there's a way to reopen. Well, Ottawa was saying they would just run three three goalies. Was what that's they were. Bull, that's bullshit. They wouldn't. There's they, no that, way. I mean, they, they Matt Murray was not coming back to to Ottawa. And I mean, you mentioned the insane amount of money that he's due, like cash, not cap hit, on this trade. That's why there was no way the the Senators were paying 15 million to Matt Murray. In, in dollars, because that's what matters in Ottawa right now. It's not the cap. They're, they're not a cap team. It's They're a budget team. So they were not going to pay that. Um, if that's what they said they were going to do, then that was a bluff. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing is I, I've seen some people say, look, at some point with the Senators, with the retention, it, it, it gets to the same amount of dollars as if they were going to just buy them out. So, I mean, why would they give you a sweetener to retain when they'll just buy them out? Great, buy them out. Yeah. Buy him out and then the Leafs sign him for the minimum. Exactly. And now it's a great move. Now it's an absolutely phenomenal, you know, again, we don't know. It's it's so easy for me to sit on my couch and say, this is how you should have done it. Um, we don't know how those those deals went. And I'm sure, you know, Peridorian's not dumb. I'm sure he's looking at all the goalies coming off the board and telling Kyle Dubas, look, man, you have to make this deal. You don't have any other options. Um, they, but so we can only judge it. on the results, they right? The like, they, yeah. yeah, like they bluffed. In, in our opinion, and got the better deal. Like I don't, I don't know what else we can do with it. So, went, so and you know, and, and it's not like Pierre Dorian four D chess this because he made a deal with another team, um, and uh, you know that 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 was already in place. But then when that fell through, he was able to identify that this Leafs team was desperate, and I don't know, man. It, uh, it, it's, I mean, it, the, the thing is, we're, we're all going to be doing the Jack Campbell comparison all, all year long. The fact that Campbell signed for essentially the same cap hit that Matt Murray is getting in Toronto. And yes, five years is a world of difference compared to two years. But that's not going to matter if the Oilers go on a playoff run this year and the Leafs don't. Like, it just won't. We're, it, and if goaltending is any part of that, nobody is going to have any sympathy for, well, yes, but in two years we'll be in a better cap situation because because we didn't go and get Jack Campbell. People are just going to say, you had to pick between those two guys at roughly the same cap hit and you picked right or you picked wrong. I think that we've talked about this on the podcast. I think that the Jack Campbell experience of the past year where he was kind of really, really good and then and then hurt and then not playing well. And I think that that, I, think, I don't think the asking price from Jack Campbell's camp ever changed. I think it was always five years at 5 million. The Leafs were never interested in that number. He was able to get it somewhere else, and and after the season they had been, I like I want if Jack Campbell didn't get hurt and didn't struggle for so long in the middle of the season, maybe it's a different conversation. But yeah, for the Leafs front office, I think that it would be fascinating to know if 
Like, let's say Matt Murray did wave and did go to Buffalo. He just didn't want to be in Ottawa. I wonder what the Leafs would have done then. Great like, question. I wonder what plan yep. D was or, or E or wherever they were on, on their well, list. Well, I mean, when, when you look at the timing, right, some of the other guys hadn't been moved yet at that point. So maybe, you know, and, and by the way, we've talked about different, Cam Talbot was out there too. That's another option. And he winds up in, in Ottawa. So I know that people have said, well, Minnesota wanted a goalie. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, you, you got to figure out ways to to work through that. And who were the other options, you know, that, that came off the board between the Buffalo deal and the Toronto deal? Because certainly, I mean, look, when presumably when Pierre Dorian makes his deal with Kevin Adams and the Sabres, he probably puts the word to Kyle Dubas that I'm about to make this move. Do you want to beat the offer? Mm-hmm. Kyle Dubas says, no, no, thank you. You go ahead, trade him to Buffalo, and then it falls through, and they circle back at some point. And by that point, the Leafs' circumstances have changed, and they, they're they in a place where I guess they feel like they don't have a choice. And I get it. You know, re- remember, they didn't even have uh, – um, they didn't have Sam Simpsonov by that point, right? Like that was a free agent. They didn't know they were going to get him. So, you know, Monday night, Kyle Dubas is sitting there going, I've moved on from Peter Mrazek. I know Campbell's going to Edmonton. I might have no goalies by the end of this. Can't do that. So I got to take the guy I can take. But man, did they did they ever take him with a big risk attached? Well, let's talk about Samsonov because he's the other part of this equation. I kind of felt like if you're going to roll the dice on Matt Murray, maybe get someone who's a little more of a sure thing than Samsonov. Uh, James, like maybe you can answer first and then DGB, you can go like, now that we you've had some time to process it, do you like the idea of taking a bet on upside or do you think they should have just got someone like Grice or like, I don't know, or traded for Reimer or done something where at least like you can look at the other guy and be like, at least I know this guy can step in and be okay if Matt Murray isn't healthy or doesn't perform. Yeah, I think the problem there is there just aren't that many options. Like, there's not... I don't even know if San Jose is trying to trade Reimer. Like, certainly his name hasn't really been out there. So, I, I don't know how many, quote-unquote, safe options they had. But the Sam Sonoff thing makes me really nervous because you talk to people in Washington and they all bring up some of the off-ice things, the immaturity... You know, the the injury he had with the ATV in the offseason and the the breaking the COVID protocols. And, you know, the concern there is that they just weren't sure how serious he was about his career. And to me, that's a big red flag. And, you know, I, I know Sean's right to kind of like dismiss like the personal side of it. But at least, I don't know, I, I feel like with Mrazek in part and maybe with Samsonov that some of that like off ice and knowing the player and knowing the background and all that kind of thing, that can end up being really important because it can end up being part of the equation for why they don't perform on the ice. Yeah. And and I mean, I guess with Samsonov, you just look at it and say, hopefully being in a first over or a first round pick and your team walks away from you for nothing a few years later, maybe maybe that's what wakes a guy up, but maybe not. Um, I, th- I, I do at that price, I like the signing, even though, man, I've had a lot of smart people tell me this guy is not a good goaltender and, uh, you know, that, that there are just holes in his game that he is not interested in fixing. Yeah. But the ceiling here at his age with some of the pedigree, like the ceiling feels much higher than most of the other guys that they could have got certainly the guys who are out there in free agency but yeah you're right there's if you're going to bet on matt murray there's there's a 
PC that says like, go get Halak. There, there, this is a professional backup goaltender who gives you 30 solid games every year. Go get that guy rather than, you know, rolling the dice because you roll the dice twice and they both come up snake eyes and now you're, you're really screwed. And I that guess, was last season, right? Sorry, James, go ahead. I guess the only thing is you can, you can get out of the Samsonov contract pretty. Like if he, if he bombs in the first 20 games, it's not like Morazic where it's yeah. really, really difficult to trade that. Like you, you'll be able to flip him for another goalie. Like say another team has a struggling goalie or whatever. And I wonder too, mm-hmm. if that was part of the thinking with Murray is like, if this really goes sideways, we'll be able to move him if we need to. Will or you? It, will, you? If, will you? Yeah. I'm not sure about that, James. Well, I mean, Man, re- I don't know. Retain a little bit of the contract. I mean, I think you can move most I, contracts. This, this is in the this NHL. is my. I'm 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 still trying so hard to be like the sunny, optimistic DGB that I've been <laughs> for the last few years. But this, this, like, the smartass in me was when you know the Leafs acquired Matt Murray at 25 percent retained and a couple of picks for future considerations. I was thinking, yeah, the future considerations are the first round pick they're going to give up to get out of this contract next summer. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, if, if Matt Murray bombs in Toronto, I don't think you can trade him for I mean, I don't, if you couldn't trade Morazic, I don't see how you're going to trade well, this they did, guy. Even they, at, did, they did trade Morazic, though. I mean, they, they could trade him. Like, in the offseason, and they gave up, you know, they had to give up assets to do it. Like, I'm, yes, I mean, I'm I'm kind of past the point where I say any contract is is ever untradeable because we've seen teams figure out ways to do it. But do, yeah, I mean, the, you know what I call Patrick that? Marlow trade, Sean. Is, yeah, I call that the David Clarkson rule. I honestly made a yes. rule in my mind never to yep. say no one cannot be traded because that was like I never thought that that guy could be traded and he was traded. Yep. So anyway, yeah. continue. So I mean, they they could, but but uh, what I'm saying is during the season, like you get to the All Star break and Matt Murray isn't playing well, uh, you're not. You're in trouble. You're in big trouble. Big and and I do get that. Yeah, and this is the maybe the last of the pro Murray arguments that I've heard from from fans is people have said, look, this team had 115 points last year with bad goaltending. They don't even they don't need Matt Murray to be great. They don't even need Matt Murray to be good. If he's league average, they're fine with everything else that they've got going on. Maybe I'm not convinced you're getting league average. So I I wrote that and and think that that's fair that's the regular season like the point is not to win the regular season like does anyone care about their 115 points last year not really like it's is this goaltending going to be good enough to win a cup like not to win a round to win a cup and like that's a gigantic question mark and 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 you know darcy camper everyone points to that and says well he i mean he stunk in the playoffs colorado still won and it's like yeah are you colorado Maybe the Leafs think they are outside it, but I mean, there's so many factors with that too. Like McKinnon's making like half of what he should yes, be, and like McCarr's exactly. making, you know, like he's a monster. Yeah, I, I don't think it's the same situation at all. I, I again, like, I'm not against the idea of rolling the dice on Matt Murray. You roll the dice when the odds feel like they're in your favor, and at 25 percent retained. I don't feel like they're in the Leafs' favor here, which is not to say it couldn't work out. I just really don't. I I, I feel like they're taking a bet on some bad bad odds right now, and and the downside if it, you know, it, it's it's unlikely to work great. It's also unlikely to completely be a disaster. You know, most of this stuff winds up somewhere in the middle, especially with goaltending. But if it is a disaster, then I think it's this is the first Kyle Dubas move where I say if this is a disaster. The 
reverberations are going to be significant enough that we're probably not talking about Kyle Dubas anymore. You know, I think you're probably right that we're going to talk about this so much going into the season and how much is riding on this. And then Samsonov and Murray, are, they're both going to be like 906 goalies and the Leafs are going to win a lot of games and, you know, maybe it'll... And it, we're all going to go into the playoffs going, is it enough? We're yeah. going to go into the deadline going, do they need to, yeah. you know, pick up the phone on Mark andre I think Fleury that's the most whoever. likely outcome is that they get kind of really mediocre goaltending all season and the team is fine and maybe, you know, they, they win the division or maybe they're second in the division and, again. And, and it, then you go into the playoffs and you need one save in overtime and you don't get it yeah. again. But, you know, again, again, not to play devil's advocate every single time, but the least front office would say they didn't know if they were going to get that from Anderson or Campbell the last few years either. Like No, no. So, that's it. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. How many years are you going to go into the playoffs with the same question mark uh, in the same position and just hope? Like, you know, well, like this, well, Jonah, it, Jonas it, is it, saying, like, point, you need a goalie that, that you feel is, can win you a cup. But if you go through the league, right. how many teams have that? Yeah. And how do you possibly get one? And that's fair. That is fair. And my answer to that is, yeah, Kyle Dubas has a hard job. That's the job. It was an easy easy job. The job isn't to have... I could do it. The job isn't to make sure you have every position is 100% ironclad that you feel like it's going to win you the cup. No, but I think think the job is to improve the position that keeps letting you down. Or not even... I mean, Jack Campbell was... Jack Campbell was very good against Montreal. No, I think that that's so overplayed. He was... They had nothing. In Montreal? Montreal Jack Campbell was... Montreal had nothing going offensively. They completely well, shut those guys down, and he was okay. I, I thought Campbell was was fine against Montreal and Tampa. Like I don't the people saying late that goal, in that series, goal he was not good. The same goaltending is the disaster that unwound. I mean, their big guys didn't play well in the three deciding games against Montreal. That was a much bigger factor than than the goaltending to me. Yeah, J- Jack Campbell had was nine thirty four in that series. I acknowledge that Montreal is not a not a scary offensive team, but that nine thirty four in a series. The, the, it, the goaltender is good. There is no, you can't blame a goalie for for that. And especially when it's, you know, game seven and you're you're not scoring anything at all until there's two minutes left in the game. That's, it's, uh, he was, he was fine. Now, you know, John Cooper kind of wrecked him with the, the 3.5 comment in, in the playoffs, unfortunately. I think that was maybe more the, the concern, but, uh, yeah, I mean, th- to me, it's 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 not any GM's job to be perfect at every spot, but we've been talking about the goaltending for years now in Toronto. And, uh, yeah, I, I acknowledge that you can't pick up the phone to Tampa and say, hey, can we just have Andre Vasilevsky? Um, but, again, if this job was easy, people like me could do it. The, so, jo- the job is to try to find solutions. Like, and if this is the solution, that's comes with question marks. Like, we, we, we can't just sit here and be like, yeah, I get it. Maybe Mount Murray will be great. Like current evidence suggests he might, he's, he might, like he might be, but from what we've seen recently, we don't know that. And that that's what makes it a big wild card before we get to the pod bag. Um, can we kind of quickly run through some of their other moves and maybe non moves? So up front, they had yarn crook, Kubel, who I like, uh, Godet, who I think is, is an interesting signing. And then on D depth in, in Jordy Ben and Victor Mete, James and I have talked about it. Uh, the situation with Tavares at center. Do you think we're crazy? Like I, I, I'm surprised that not surprised because of their cap situation that they weren't able to address it. But I kind of feel like we could be going through the same story again next season with that line with Tavares and being like, how are they going to find a center? Like, what do you, 
Where do you think this goes? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's it. And I mean, what do you do? You've, you've got $11 million com- committed to John Tavares. You're kind of locked in. And, and, I, and also, he's still a very good player. Mm-hmm. Is he an $11 million player? No. It, was he ever? Maybe that first year, you could argue. But since then, no. Again, we it, everything's tied to cap hit in a hard cap league and you know it has to be and but but it's frustrating because especially when you're in our line of work if you say boy at 11 million dollars if they move him to the wing if they do this if they reduce his minutes and people go oh so you're saying he stinks yeah he's a bum no no nobody's saying that he's a very very good player he's but uh um you know this they are locked in on on this deal and yeah i think this is the part where when you sign a guy to a seven-year deal, you know that it's the first few years where you're going to squeeze the value and then you're going to start uh, bleeding it out at, at the end. And and that's where they're at on him. I mean, the, the nice thing is that he's still a good player. We're four years into the deal. There's three years left. So it's it's yep. not, you know, they're not locked in on six years on this guy or something like that, like some teams are on, on their bad contracts. But yeah, it is. And, and look, the other piece of this, and I've said this a few times and everybody hates it. Everybody hates when I say this because, you know, if you're a Leaf fan, you're going to hate it. And if you're one of the many people who are not a Leaf fan, many of whom still listen to Leaf podcasts just so they can hear us say things to get mad about, you're going to hate this. It's possible that years from now when we write the book on the the Kyle Dubas era, the Brendan Shanahan era, all of it, that what we take away is the Leafs had the right guys and the right plan and they got screwed by the pandemic and the hard cap. Yeah, and the flat cap more than any other team did, more than Tampa, more than Colorado, well, more they than had all the more good teams. Committed to longer term rate, they before. committed everything to long terms at the exact wrong time, yeah. and there was no way for them to know it was going to happen. Which means the reason people hate this is, you know, you, you hate it as a Leaf fan because I'm telling you these guys might be screwed, and you hate it if you're anyone else because there's no villain here, there's no dumb move, there's no there's nothing we can point to and go, ha ha, Kyle Dubas screwed up, Brendan Shanahan screwed up. No, nobody screwed up. They had a great plan and then uh, a complete black swan out of nowhere event that nobody pre- predicted happened. And maybe it screwed them a lot harder than it screwed anyone else. Well, they, they signed John Tavares four years ago, right? And mm-hmm. at that point, who in their right mind could have predicted that the salary cap would be effectively flat yeah. five years late? Like next year's cap is probably only going to be $83 million. No one in their right mind would have ever predicted that the cap would be $83 million five years into Even that Matthews contract. Even Matthews and Marner, right? Like Matthews Matthews has, has lived up to his contract. Marner, well, well, that's another one we'll be arguing about for years. But, you know, when the Leafs signed him, they probably said, yeah, you know, is it too much for a second deal for this guy right now? Yeah, it probably is. But check back in four years, there's going to be guys making yeah. 11, 12, 13 million. Yeah. And it just never happened. And it didn't happen right away because, you know, right away the Braden Point and Rantanen and guys like that did not follow. But and then the cap flattened. And, you know, it's just you're, you know, we always hear about whatever the percentage is that the big four makes up. and But that percentage should have been much smaller by now because the cap should have gone up and up. And we know Leafs are always going to spend to the cap and beyond. Uh, and it didn't happen. And there was no way to see that coming. But Maybe they're just, maybe there is no way to do this. Like we, maybe with this core four, which is now core five with Morgan Riley's deal, maybe you just can't make it work in a flat cap world that nobody knew was going to be coming. Um, 
And then, you know, that's not satisfying for anyone. Cause like I say, there's no villain, there's no big mistake. There's no screw up. There's no, you know, arrogance of the Leafs team that they got too ambitious. They got too this or that. They made smart moves that didn't work for reasons out of their control and they're screwed. That might be where we're at. James, how much higher would the cap have been by now? Like five, six million higher? Like less? No, it would have been more than that. No, I mean, it, because the way that, I mean, it, it, they would have been into a new CBA and all kinds of things. So it's hard to project exactly. But I mean, the cap was going up two or three million every year, right? So if we're talking four years from when they signed, like I think 90 million is a pretty conservative estimate for where So that's it, where a lot it would be. more space. Yeah, it, eight, it, it, eight it had gone up. Four and a half million from 2018 to 2019 when yeah. you know, the first year of Tavares. Well, they had the new TV deal that. coming that they knew was coming and they knew there were new more revenues. They knew there was expansion was coming, like the, the bringing in Vegas and Seattle was going to raise the cap. Like, they I should have we, done something to insulate teams. Like I always thought at the time, like, why is there not like a designated player you can kind of have off the cap or something. The to, league doesn't want that. Or they could have just had the cap continue to rise and have escrow be higher. And, you know, the, or, or they could have done, remember the, there was a rollback at one point when they had the, the lockout mm-hmm. and they rolled yeah. salaries back. Like that would have made sense. Like what if everyone's cap, it comes down 10%. Like there, there could have, there were things they could have done. Yep. Or, I mean, and, and one of the things they could have done was what they did, which was worked out reasonably well for everyone involved. Um, it just happened that the Leafs, you know, doesn't work for them. And, you know, and I know that there's going to be people pointing to teams say, well, look at all these other teams that it spent to the cap. They figured it out. Tampa Bay figured it out. They had lots. Yeah, and they did. But they also had some guys on discounted deals and guys with different timing and state uh, tax. that sort of thing. It just, uh, don't even start. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we got to we gotta get to the pod bag. So let's take a break and then we'll, we'll just ask questions about the Florida tax situation great (laughs) all right this is the time of the podcast where i always remind people to visit their local restaurants even now james support your local businesses um james what have you got in the pod bag for us all right james b has a question for sean he says i turn 53 when the season starts i'm in decent health i'm active i have no concerning family history and i don't drink to excess will the leafs win a cup in my lifetime what do you think? 53. Has he got a shot? Oh, boy. He's got a shot. Uh, he's got like 30 uh, yeah, more years here. First of all, I don't, I mean, how diehard of a fan could he be? He says he doesn't drink to excess, so I'm not really <laughs> buying that he's, he's that locked in. Um, yeah, I mean, look, 32 team league now. In theory, he should be one one cup every 32 years. Nobody wants to hear that. Everybody wants to think their team's going to win one once a decade. And um, 32 years, that gets you into your 80s. Uh, yeah, I, I think your odds are, uh, I, I'll give you a 60% odds. Or at least get to the I cup final, right? Like, we, I did overdrive this week, and we were talking about the Canadian cup drought, which, Sean, you know mm-hmm. all about. And Heard only two teams have not been to the cup final since the last, well, and obviously the Leafs have not been to the cup final. Well, you you know how long. Yeah. That's kind of nuts, but yeah. anyway. But you know, you know what, though? Can I tell you a secret on that? That is... A fake thing. Well, it's not a fake thing. It's it's obviously a real number, and it is embarrassing. At least I haven't been to the final. But the whole thing about going to the final only became a thing when the Leafs drought like really became a thing, and yet people wanted to make fun of the Leafs, but they couldn't because half the other teams in the league hadn't won a Stanley Cup either. 
And so, and you, and you also couldn't make fun of the Leafs for like not making the playoffs or not winning rounds because they were back then in the Pac Win era. So I remember it was like late in the Pac Win era, suddenly like somebody figured out that, well, if we just go by how many times have you been to the final, that's the metric where the Leafs finished last. Then we can all make fun of the Leafs. And yeah, it suddenly like became a Vancouver like, thing, right? It suddenly <laughs> became like, yeah. And, you know, and I remember sitting there going, wait, you're telling me the Florida Panthers, you'd rather be the Florida Panthers than the Maple Leafs in the last 20 years. And you know, yeah, they've been to the final. They went to the final. Yeah. I mean, Ottawa went to the final once. Their best player, best and most beloved player pulled his pants down in front of the entire league and embarrassed himself. And they scored the winning Stanley Cup the Stanley Cup winning gold into their own net, you know, like really we're going to, we're going to act like that is some sort of great thing. Um, I don't know, man, to me, to me, it's cups or cups or busts. Agree. Want a cup or you haven't. I I got, I got some good trivia on this. Which team has won the most, which Canadian team has won the most regular season games since I know this, since a Canadian team last won the Stanley Cup. I looked this up yesterday. Do you want to know? Is it? It's Toronto. Is it the Leafs? It is, eh? Yeah. They've won the most regular season games. And which which Canadian team has won the most playoff games? It's not Toronto. <laughs> it's not. Since, that would since probably be... Um, it's either Montreal or Ottawa, I think. Right? Yeah. It is, yeah, I, I, is it, it Ottawa or Vancouver? It is, it, it's Vancouver because they went to the final in 94 oh, oh, and yes, in, yes, yes. in okay. 2011. So like half of their... But the, the highest Canadian team in regular season wins is 15th in the league since 93. And the hang highest a, in... Hang a banner, baby. The highest in playoff regular wins is... Regular season... Is also... National fifth, leader. Fifth, 15th is is how high Vancouver ranks. So there are 14 American teams that have won more playoff games in that span. So the Canadian teams have like universally... Yeah. Not been good you regular season really, or playoffs. You know what's really hurt as a Leafs fan the last decade? Well, it hurt or maybe not. Maybe you look at it the other way. But like, you know, 10 years ago, yeah, the Leafs hadn't won a comfort. But you could point to so many other teams that hadn't won. The Kings had never won. The Blues had never won. The Capitals had never won. And now they've all won. <laughs> and, you know, the Blackhawks at one point were 49 years and counting. And now it's like... It's like the Leafs, the Canucks, and the Sabers. Just the, the the sad table is uh is getting smaller and smaller. I don't know. We got to uh, and and I'm ha- like every time it happens, I'm happy. Like I'm literally like I was cheering for the Blues hard. Do you have like a seance table and like you just then you take out no. the flame of the team that has the drought Dude, when they I, do it? If I if I had any sort of control <laughs> on that, trust me. that that's I remember when the in the Tampa series, like in Game Four, Leafs are up two one. They're in Tampa. It's a Sunday night, and I tweeted out. I said, does anyone else have a vibe that this is the game the Leafs lay an egg and just get absolutely destroyed? And they did. Sure enough. That's exactly what happened. That was a game they were down 5 nothing. I remember. It's your fault for the Leafs. And I'm getting people tweeting me and they're like, this is your fault. You know, it's like the sort of the the idiots that uh, all came out of the woodwork who like, you know, if you don't type passion in all caps in your bio, you're not a real fan. But like people are like yelling at me like you did. And I'm like, if I had any control over what happened to the Maple Leafs, you think like, they'd be sitting at a 54-year drought? Like, really? This is a... Uh, I've got to be the least influential Leaf fan <laughs> of all time. Don't blame this one. I get it, too. They're like, you're jinxing them. It's like, I don't actually even care if they win or not. So, I don't think... I'm not yeah. I'm not jinxing anybody. Like, I just mm-hmm. I just say things that I think might happen, and maybe they do, and maybe they don't. You don't have the passion of... Okay, I, dude, you're, no. 40, you're 47, man. Like, it's... <laughs> uh, you don't have to do this. 
Uh, Mike R wants to know, Sean, how many times have the Leafs made you cry? That is one of our, that's one of our questions that <laughs> most people want to want you to answer. Not, uh, I have not, uh, cried about the, I'm trying to remember. I may have got a little misty eyed when they lost to the Kings in 93. And I was a little too old to be crying over <laughs> sports back then. But, but since then, no, I mean, they've made me, uh, swear and want to punch walls and, uh, probably drink too much and be, cranky to my very patient forgiving wife but no I, I wouldn't say that i have not cried over the leaves you can't you can't squeeze any tears out of me i'm <laughs> dead inside there's no wait gonna- can i ask you guys a question along those lines when's the last time in what movie did you cry in have you ever cried in a movie <laughs> i definitely have i'm just trying to remember the last one i again like i'm not uh when i was a little kid i was like a i was a crier as a little kid and so, like, when I got older, I'm like, I got to shut that down. <laughs> like I said, so I have not, uh, like, I, I, you would never see me, like, weeping in a movie theater. Wow. Like, because I will just, I, I will, like, I'll, I'll just stare at the floor. And, but I do remember the last, um, the last movie I went to that really emotionally damaged me was the Pixar, uh, Inside Out. Mm. Oh, the one yeah. Where he's got, where it's about the little girl and, like, she's, like, and I'm not even talking, I, I to this day that movie is emotional terrorism that that was not an appropriate movie to release to the public and i'm not even talking like the ending this is a movie like no, I'm, I'm not trying to give spoilers here but like an imaginary friend committing suicide is like played off as a happy moment like the happy ending to that movie is the, this girl breaks down and starts sobbing and that's like yay it finally happened like yeah but that movie got me like 10 minutes in when there's like the 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 collapse of the like the silliness with her and her dad and like the island collapse i was like i'm out this is <laughs> right there because my my daughter was like that exact age and i'm like i'm gonna hate this movie and i did i hate that movie more than any movie i've ever seen it's so funny watching those emotional disney movies with my kids because they're like too young to really appreciate like we we watch up and like the beginning of up is yeah. like the saddest oh, like killer. it's horrific and my, my kids are like oh this part's boring when are we gonna get to the part with the yep. bird and the dog and it's like <laughs> they just don't like it doesn't resonate with them it's like yeah yeah whatever the old person died and like you know, let's get on to like the big good part of the movie <laughs> yeah like pixar needs to be stopped i'm not trying to turn this into a pop culture podcast but pixar needs to stop making movies that like just make something cute and funny and uh, enough with the kids giving away their toys or the little stranded robot being sad like make some happy movies damn it did you see coco i watched that not that long ago and that 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 was the one for me that's a tearjerker. Anyway, Pixar. Enough. <laughs> it's Pixar. Enough, man. Yeah. I have to watch the least for a living. Pixar. I don't need to do this in my. Spare I think this time. is a separate podcast, Jonas. You're <laughs> taking this on here. I love it. All right, go all right. Ahead, we James. got we got a ton of these questions, so we're gonna unleash this on DGB because Jonas and I are, have been answering them all off season. Uh, Adam says, uh, I really like Jake Muzzin, but is the risk of keeping him really worth it? His cap hit seems too valuable to improve this team as well as keep Sandine. Can you talk through your thoughts on how the D will end up? Am I missing something? Uh, yeah, but that's basically. That, and that was one where we all kind of thought that was, if somebody was going to get traded who wasn't a core piece, that was where we we're all looking. And then it just kind of didn't happen and kind of went away. I'm really interested to see what happens with Sandy. I think, you know, that that is a case where this is a team that is very vulnerable, I would think, to an offer sheet. Um Maybe it's a trade situation. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I think there's 
on the one hand, you look at what happened to the Leafs in the playoffs when Jake Muzzin was hurt a couple times and how profound a difference that seemed to make. But also, you know, clearly the game was was uh, starting to diminish last year. So yep. is that... But you know what? You, you make that trade now. What do you what do you do with your extra four million now? I mean, we're a week no. after the end of free agency. No, that it's, was a trade to make like before free agency. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk briefly about that. Um, James and I have been arguing about it. It and James has been trying to talk sense into me. Um, James, I don't even know if like what I want to ask you about this, but do you just think it ends up just? Even if he doesn't sign until like camp, it just ends up being a one-year deal, and then you go from there. Like, do you think there there's actually going to be an offer sheet on him or no? Well, I mean, I've been talking to teams and, and other agents, and people are watching this situation. And they're they're saying he's not going to get an offer sheet. Like, it's just not. But I, I guess, I guess it's just the offer the, sheet is so cheap. Like, you're giving up a second round pick for a 22 year old who could mm-hmm. be really good. I mean, like, there why wouldn't be. you do it? There yeah. should be an offer sheet. I said this to you yesterday when we were talking. There should be an offer sheet. Like, if I'm another, if I'm Buffalo or, or Arizona or a team that needs some talent on defense, like, why wouldn't you do it? <laughs> like, what's the downside here? There's, there's literally no downside. And you look at the way, like, you look at the Atlantic Division and there's those teams, there's, there's Detroit and there's those teams, Buffalo, is it Ottawa, you, your arrival with Toronto, you want to negatively impact their cap situation. Why wouldn't you do it? It makes no sense. The NHL makes no sense. Like, he should get an offer sheet, but everyone I talk to around the league says there's no way he's going to get an offer sheet. I don't get that because I do understand why we don't see many offer sheets because they don't work. But this one would work. Well, you could well, absolutely do this in a way that or the it damages could not match. their roster. Yeah, another- Sean, can you imagine? Like, they would have such an interesting decision because at first you're like, "There's no way like they would match." Maybe they would decide, you know what? Why are we going to not keep this young defenseman? Maybe we do have to trade Jake Muzzin. Like, maybe we, maybe we, maybe we match it, and then we have maybe. to trade. Mu- like, I don't. It would be a really interesting decision if they actually had it placed in front of them. The the point is that the decision that would not be an option is just match you know the, the whereas most of most team 90 percent of the situations it's an instant match especially like and i'm not saying it should be teams should consider letting guys go more often but they don't because they're all alpha males and you're not going to come in and take my player and all this but the Leafs wouldn't really have anything they could do about it well i i think they would you don't think they would match a sandino i think they probably would and you just you, if it's if somebody offers him you think so james and it's, a, and it's a second round pick how how do they match that yeah i don't think well i guess if it's four million then it makes it more difficult but i but he, james i guess you're right if it's like two and a half they'd match and then they'd have yeah, to trade like kerfoot you, you, or you trade justin Hall, Hall and yeah and maybe you trade kerfoot and you just you got to move some things around but I, I think that the end game here, I think that it's probably is going to drag out. I wouldn't be surprised if he misses the start of training camp. But at the end of the day, if there is no offer sheet, his, the Sandine side has no leverage here. I mean, what are they going to do? They don't have arbitration. They don't, they can't, they can't force the Leafs to give him a lucrative long-term contract if they don't want to. So, you yeah. know, I do think at some point it's not, it's not really the same as the Nylander situation either because the Leafs can probably get by without him the whole year, right? Like they not just, probably they can. Like yeah, like they don't. There's, he's what, not as essential as Marner or Nealander. Like, so if he wants all. to sit on the sidelines until November, I mean, I, it seems kind of pointless. So you know, I yeah. think that the thing that should happen is you sign a one year deal, and 
play your way up the lineup. I mean, Sandin just has not played enough NHL games to really have a lot of leverage and he'll get arbitration rights after a one-year deal and he'll presumably play more and play higher in the lineup and he'll be in a way better position to negotiate for that longer-term contract in next summer. Still you, James. You have to ask the questions. You're in charge. Yeah. We've taken up almost enough of DGB's time. So Uh, pick a good one. Okay, Chris wants to know, here's a here's a very big picture question. Uh, how would you evaluate Dubas' offseason to this point, like if you gave it a letter grade, and uh, what would you have done differently, John? <laughs> <laughs> See, I like the first question better. First question is is the fun question. Uh, I would give him a, a C, maybe a C minus, because it's all, the big the big question was goaltending. Um, you know, the, signing the cheap free agents, fine. Yarncroc, I mean, to give term to a death guy, I don't. I didn't love getting out of Morazic was was smooth, but we all said, "What are they going to do with the cap room?" And then they they turn around and spend that and more on on Murray. Uh, I don't. I can't go higher than that. Um, what would I have done differently? I, I don't know. Probably way worse. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not one of these one of these guys who sits here and thinks like I could be an NHL GM. I absolutely could not. But uh, you know, again, I I do like some of these other. You know, I, I feel like a lot of other goaltenders would have been better bets um, than Matt Murray, Huso, Georgiev, um, maybe even Cam Talbot if if that was an option. Flurry, obviously, but that didn't that that wasn't available. Um, Varlamov, if it was possible, I, I I got a list of guys, so I would have tried to get those guys. And you know what, Kyle Dubas probably did too, and um, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Maybe. It would have been the same. I probably would have walked away from Matt Murray, and maybe I'd be the GM sitting here with no goalies at all right now. And then I bring back James Reimer because at least then my my video would get some hits on YouTube. <laughs> uh, we're running out of time here, but we'll fit in one or two more. Uh, Griffin wants to know another really big picture question for you. That these are these are like existential questions we don't get when we don't have you on as a guest. Uh, Griffin wants to know. Can this core ever get it done? I'm legitimately curious to know what you think. I want to believe, yes. but every year, but it gets harder and harder to believe. Y- yes, yes, they can. But again, like we we all have to get our heads around the idea that in a 32-team league, your team's odds are, are small every year. I mean, Colorado was so dominant this year, and they went into the playoffs with what, like 25% odds of winning the cup? Um, and that's going into the playoffs, let alone a regular season. You know, guys get hurt. Guys, things Weird things happen. The, you know, can this core get it done? Yeah, absolutely. This Leafs team is, even with an average Matt Murray, is good enough to win a cup. Um, And with a, you know, if they get good goaltending, they're good enough to be the favorite for the cup. And all of that probably adds up to maybe a 10 or 15% chance. Mm -hmm. And maybe over the life of this core, maybe it becomes 20 or 30%. They're probably not going to do it. They're probably not going to win with this core. And that's not me saying that there's any flaw. It's just they've only got so many years left. Your odds in this parody-stricken NHL um, are are just so much smaller than you think. Like like I used to do a thing, and you know it's getting close to time to do it again. Where I would go through every team in the league, and I would say, "What are their chances of winning the Stanley Cup in the next five years?" Well, when you sit down to do that, and, and you spitball it. And you just go like, you know, here's what I think for each team. And then you add up those numbers. You realize you've just handed out like 15 Stanley Cups in the next five years. <laughs> when you do it and you actually limit yourself to only five cups, you 
find the numbers are just so depressingly small. And I feel like as fans, I feel like there's a part of our brain that just shuts off about what the real odds of our team winning are because we wouldn't invest the way we invest in this league if we knew that our team had like a 2% chance of winning in the next uh, however many years. The Leafs, it's much higher. They're a well-built team and they're probably not going to win. And it's not going to be because of some fatal character flaw or some move or anything like that. It's going to be because there's 32 teams in any given year. There's 20 teams that maybe could win a cup, 10 teams that probably deserve to win a cup, uh, five or six that are elite teams. You could be one of those teams every single year and you're you're still probably not going to have it happen because that's just how the math works. So, I think- Sean, I can't let... Wait, sorry, James. I can't let th- that be the last note of the podcast. You got to give fans a reason. Nothing matters. I got one more question, <laughs> Jonas. I got one more question to end on okay, a, a more Go positive ahead. note. So, I was going to say... I just have a comment and then I'll get to our, our last question. My comment was going to be, if you're a Leafs fan, I think you have to take solace in the fact that Washington, it took so long for them to get over the hump. And St. Louis too. Like, mm-hmm. no one was picking St. Louis that year. They were kind of like, well, they're like on the downswing and they're not going to be able to pull it off. And they fired their coach midway through the year. Like Washington, they thought that their window had closed. Like they were talking. Washington, when they won, they beat Columbus, which, you know, no big deal in the first round. And they were eight out of eight playoff teams remaining. Mm -hmm. And that was the year that they did it. And and they had lost some pieces like they had lost Mm -hmm. Justin Williams and and Green and and some other players that were part of the previous core. The thing people people forget about Washington. Uh, they they lost the first two games of the playoffs to Columbus, and they went into overtime in game three. If they lose, if they give up the next goal, they get swept, and that team probably gets decimated. Mm-hmm. That's how close. That's the margin. And, you know, the the if you want the optimist view for the Leafs, it's that, you know, that could be, that moment could still be there. The pessimist view is maybe that moment already happened, and the Leafs didn't get the next goal. And, uh, you know, the the ship has already sailed. I, I don't know. I think that window is still open for them. So the window is still very open. Yeah. As long as Matthews is there, the window's open. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I did. I got one that I just want to hear your answer to that I think will be fun. And it's, I think it's more positive. I think what, Jonas, you can evaluate after okay. Blake's question. <laughs> I just told everyone that it didn't, that nothing that happens matters. Okay. So but this is <laughs> Blake wants, he says, can Sean attempt to satirically spin the Matt Murray trade as a win for the Leafs? <laughs> okay. Without relying on the crutch of goaltending is unpredictable and nobody knows anything. This is a classic underdog story. Everybody has written this guy off. He was bad for two years because he was playing behind an absolutely awful team. When you put him behind a good team that has elite talent, he wins Stanley Cups. And that's what the Leafs have been missing is a Stanley Cup caliber goaltender. Uh, not a lot of teams are the Pittsburgh Penguins with Malkin and Matthew or uh, Malkin and Crosby and all those guys. But the Leafs are. They've got the talent. All us dumb media guys who can only look at the stats and don't factor in the fact that Senators were a garbage fire on and off the ice uh, think that he's going to put up those same numbers. He's not. He's going to be the clutch guy, and and he's going to be the guy who makes that save in overtime with a, with a series on the line. He's going to be the guy that makes the save in Game 7 that they never seem to get. Uh, and he doesn't have to be great. He doesn't have to be good. He needs to be good enough. Uh, and when he is, 
Um, everybody is going to be fine digging up my old tweets and sending them to me and going, this you and sending it to cold takes exposed and all of that. <laughs> and Kyle Dubas is going to have his day with the Stanley cup on my front lawn, uh, and not invite me to it. And then he's going to put your, your, your tweets up against the window and go, how you like them yep, apples? Exactly. And I'm going to, my sad little face <laughs> is going to be pressed up against the window with a tear <laughs> down my rolling down as, you know, all the neighborhood kids play roller hockey and try to score on Matt Murray and they can't because he's freaking amazing. Yeah. But the good news is now we have a clip of you saying he's going to be great. So now we'll just, a year from now, we'll just use yeah, that. We'll clip. use that take one. That, take that out of context. And that's Wouldn't fun. it be funny if the analytics GM, quote unquote, the, he makes a classic old man hockey move to get the the goaltender because he's won before and and that he who he knows and that's what ends up being the thing that works. That's at some point. I mean that he already had the two hundred hockey man trade deadline in uh, yeah. two thousand and twenty. Yeah. So I don't know. At some point, people have got to figure out that just because you wear glasses doesn't mean you make all your decisions based on analytics. Well, there's definitely yeah. some old hockey man in there as well in that. In that I front feel office. like there are. They, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I got to search through and figure out who who used to play for the Sioux that's going to be available at this year's deadline. <laughs> Sioux alumni. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been awesome. This has been so much fun. And the good news is, if you haven't gotten enough. DGB, because why would you? You can listen to the Athletic Hockey Show on Thursday. That's right. Now, James and I won't be there, but Ian Mendez will be, and he's better than we are. So, there you go. It's going to be fun. So, that's it. That's our final podcast for a little while. We're taking, do we call it hiatus, James? Break? Well, it is late July, so I think we'll be forgiven if we disappear for a month. So, we will be back. Just going to a cottage? Do you have like a... Yeah cottage to go to james you probably do yeah i uh, a friend of mine is giving us his cottage for a week so i'm uh i will be stealing away and then we're going to be in bc for a while too so it's going to be good so we will be back in i guess september so thank you to everyone for listening thank you to our producer punch thank you to dgb for taking up so much of his time today uh and that's it james goodbye i'll see you soon see you jonas Thanks, Sean. Bye, everyone. Nothing matters.